Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Independence Day special of Health Masters of the Ted and Austin Brower Show. Hope you guys are having an absolutely awesome day today, and it's July 4th. We told you guys we would be live and active today, and we got a really good show lined up for you, and hope everybody's having an absolutely amazing Independence Day so far, being safe and remembering the reason why we have this day today. And of course, we see so many people try to marginalize this day and have intentionally tried to downplay it, as we've seen in a lot of the current economic climate with the political leaders and trying to make it basically just July 4th. And the reason why is because history is not supposed to be talked about if it doesn't fit the narrative. We've seen this now year after year, day after day, and a lot of the, how should I say, tyrannical individuals that want to push everybody to the limit to which they know not how to push back. And if you look back at history, I'm going to give you guys some timeline today and a lot of historical stuff that you guys can think about and research yourself and look at all the way back to basically the beginning phases of the Revolutionary War and what started it and why it's so important today to not just remember what the founding fathers of this country did and what they were willing to give up, but the whole reason why they did it. And that's what a lot of people fail to realize. is isn't just the events that occurred or the fighting or the bloodshed or the turmoil or the years of war that went on, but the very fact of why they had such a resolve. A lot of people don't realize, you know, the Battle of Lexington and Concord started, you know, as March 19th, 1775. Well, I mean, the overall war wasn't really even finished until 1783. I mean, this went on, guys. I mean, it went on and on. You, you think that COVID, you know, for two years was rough. Now, you mean a constant gunfight, gun battle, wartime for year after year after year after year after year after year? I mean, it took a while. And this is the resolve that they had is they were willing to do anything they had to do, including dying to prevent being under the tyrannical rule of law that basically the British had forced them under. And if you look back from the beginning phase of 1775 and March 23rd, when Patrick Henry gave the give me liberty or give me death speech, you then had April 18th, the ride of Paul Revere and William Dawes. And then by April 19th, you had the Minutemen and the Redcoats clashing in Lexington and Concord. Now, what's interesting about this is a lot of people – I think just don't really think or talk about the American history that led up to this. And, you know, this was the proclaimed statement, the shot heard around the world. Well, a lot of people don't understand why they had this fight and what escalated it. Up until this time, the British who were occupying the United States pretty much were able to do whatever they wanted without any significant conflict. This is one of the reasons why, if you look at the Bill of Rights – they have the aspect of the Third Amendment. Now, a lot of people overlook the Third Amendment because it really doesn't apply much to current days as far as what normally happens. But the reason why they put the Third Amendment in there, when no soldier shall in a time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. They would go in, and the British would simply come into a town – and they would say, okay, by the way, you've got to 
really, really nice plantation house here. We've got, you know, eight bedrooms in this house. Uh, you're going to hold 40 of the British soldiers in here just until we get tired of wrecking your house. Now, you got to remember, back at this time, they didn't have bathrooms in the house. They didn't have really any significant running water in the house. So you got to think about the stench of having 40 or 50 military British soldiers in a house going outside to use the bathroom, going inside using the bathroom, showering outside, cleaning up all their laundry. It, it was expected of the basically colonialist that they were to take care of these British soldiers hand and foot. And you couldn't do anything to these British soldiers. You couldn't talk back to them. You couldn't get in an argument with them. You sure as heck could not hit them. They were essentially the king's extension. So if you hit one of these British soldiers, you were basically hitting the king. Couldn't do it. They'll take you out back and put you in stockades. Indefinitely. If not, they'd shoot you. Just try to take you out back. There was, there was no you know, aspect of going to court. This is what started a lot of this. And what happened was on April 19th, right after Paul Revere and William Dawes and a few other individuals came through with the British are coming quote, the aspects of the Battle of Lexington and Concord were based because 700 British Army regulars under Lieutenant Colonel Francis Smith were given orders to capture and destroy all colonial military ball powder and firearms. They told them to go in in Massachusetts, in Concord, and take all of the weapon systems, all the ammunition, all the ball and powder. Seize it all, because what we're about to do to the colonialists, they are going to shoot us for if we don't take their weapons. That was essentially the writings, if you read into it. And so, you had the Army regulars go in. But luckily, you had um, Paul Revere and William Dawes, who had basically given all the militiamen a heads up. So what did they do? Did they go in their house and say, oh, man, we need a shelter in place? You know what, guys? We just need to hand them our guns. You know what? They're limiting us, what we can have. Let's just tell them that we'll be okay with keeping 10 balls and enough powder to shoot those 10 balls. We'll limit our ammunition to 10 rounds. If we tell them that and we comply with it and we go along with it, maybe they'll leave us alone. Maybe if we just keep the really, really long rifles and we don't, you know, keep the short-barreled ones like the blunderbusses and the pistols, we just hand them all that and we limit our capacity and we hand them that. Maybe they will – they'll stop abusing us. Did they say that? Heck no, they didn't say that. It's a call to arms. Load up. Put all the weapon systems, all the ball and powder you can on your person. We're about to get in a gunfight. That's what they said. That was the resolve. Because they knew, they knew, if they were ever disarmed, you just thought what the British were doing them to currently was going to be bad. This is why, my friends, I have repeatedly told everybody on a regular basis, the firearm infringement absolutely cannot be tolerated under any circumstances whatsoever. This is why you keep seeing more bills, more bills, more push, more rhetoric, more propaganda to try to seize the firearms from the United States population because they know there's going to reach a point in time where they're going to push people into a corner and there's going to start being numerous individuals that massively overstep their legal bounds if we haven't already seen that. And they know everybody has to be disarmed at that point. 
which the United States will not do, at least not under my watch, not here in the state of Florida and not under the good governor and a lot of the patriots we have here in this state and most of the country. And so you fast forward to numerous engagements, numerous conflicts. By July 1st, 1776, Congress debates and revises the Declaration of Independence. July 4th, Congress adopts it, sent to the printer. By July 8th, the Declaration of Independence is read publicly. Now, you got to remember, this wasn't something they came in and said, okay, guys, we're going to quietly do this. We're going to, you know, come in and say, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to just say our independence. But they declared it boldly, signed it, said, this is what we're doing. 56 men from the colony signed the Declaration of Independence and said, we are declaring we're independent from the King of England. We're done. You're not going to continually do this to us. And what's interesting about this, it went on and on and on. By 1776, September 15th, the British occupied New York City. This, I mean, this engagement went on and on and on and on. By 1778, the United States and France signed the French Alliance, which massively helped us win the war. And as you look back through the history, you have to understand why they had the resolve they did and why they were willing to give up everything they had. A lot of people don't realize, you know, majority of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, they were all educated businessmen for the most part. They were successful. They had a lot of stuff to lose on the line. They could have easily and quietly just kind of went back in the corner and said, well, you guys kind of handle this. I don't I don't want to put my signature on that. I want to kind of just stay away from it. I don't want to have any problems. You know, five of the signers were captured during the war. Numerous of them, 11 signers, had their homes and property destroyed during the war. Francis Lewis, New York home, was completely burned down and his wife was taken prisoner. This happened repeatedly. These guys knew what they were doing when they signed it, but they knew they had no choice. Because once you allow tyranny to inch in further and further and further, and you continue to comply and give your consent, it doesn't stop. This is why during COVID, I was so boldly, boldly staunch about standing up and being vocal about stuff. Because here was the reality. Even if, even if the virus was some black plague, which it wasn't, 99.997% survival rate. But even if it was, it does not matter when it comes to the rights of the people. Even if it is going to kill you, you have the right to say, I'm going to make my own choice about my own health. That is the, <laughs> the irony that we've witnessed now with the double talk out of so many individuals where they would go, everybody has to have a shot. You cannot be in society and not have a shot because if you don't have this RNA shot, my shot doesn't work. Stupidest concept I've ever heard in my life. But that's what they thought, and they said and then out of the same mouths, they go, well, it's my body, my choice. If I want to butcher my baby and murder it after I have it, it's my choice. This, again, is double-minded speak, which means any individual who says these things, they're unstable in all of their ways. And this is why it's so important that you continue to get the truth out there. You continue to remind people of everything that's happening, and that's why we're doing the show today. That's why we didn't take off. That's why the office is going to be open most of the day. We're getting stuff done. The Declaration of Independence 
Independence Day is such a key date in United States history because of what it signified, what it stated, what it declared, that we will not comply. We will not go along any further with your nonsense. This is why they later on came in and added the Bill of Rights. You know, the whole aspect in 1791 when they put through the Bill of Rights was because they wanted to basically expand even further. Okay, now that the war is coming to a close, it's starting to slow down, we are now going to state and demand that we have rights that all men are created equal under God, that the natural rights of an individual are inalienable and superior to the will of the state. This is what, again, the hardcore leftist communists and a lot of the individuals in government and the deep state do not want you to know. They do not want you to think. They do not want you to feel this way. They want you to believe that the state is all-powerful and that they have a right over you and your body and your children. This is why they make comments like, oh, well, any parent that goes to a school board meeting and doesn't want to go along with basically gender perversion, well, they're deemed terrorist. Well, you have to understand, every single individual that signed their name on the Declaration of Independence was deemed a terrorist combatant by the British Army. All of them, guys. Newsflash. The people that don't want you to be free, the people that don't want you to have rights, the people that don't want you to own firearms, obviously they're going to deem you a terrorist. This is why nobody has the, how should I say, the aspect, nobody has the luxury of being quiet anymore if you're a patriot. Period. The time for being quiet and sitting by and trying to be low-key, it's over with. This show has painted a massive, massive bullseye on Dad and I. Don't care. Neither does he. Because it is our duty as Americans to speak the truth. It is our duty to remind people of the history of how we got here and why it is so important that we continue to speak up. Now, does that mean? We're going to absolutely win this fight, and we're going to continue to bring back the United States to biblical values. Does that mean we're going to win? I don't know. can't answer that question. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. But one thing I do know is that if we believe it, if we have a true conviction about it, again, it is our duty to stand up. Even if we take it to the death, it is our duty. These guys to sign the Declaration of Independence – they knew what they were getting into. They knew what was going to happen. They were already in the middle of a war when they signed this. They knew it was going to put a giant target on their back. They did not care because it was better to live as a terrorist and be an enemy combatant, according to the British, than it was to live on their knees and be a peasant groveling for a couple breadcrumbs. So maybe at some point the king would have a little mercy on them and not throw them in the stockade or cut their head off because they said a comment that the king didn't like. Freemen don't live like that. Freemen stand up. They're willing to give it all. They're willing to fight for it all. And they're willing to speak very, very loud about their beliefs. So, again, I encourage you, continue to stand up for your beliefs and your convictions. Say it proud. I don't mean go out there and try to intentionally offend people or be mean to people. That's that's not nice either. 
But again, don't be shy about your convictions. Don't be quiet because somebody doesn't like what you're saying. Don't censor yourself because it's not politically correct. Be truthful. Be honest. Be open and stand up for what you truly believe. I encourage you all to do that today. Dad, what do you think? And happy Independence Day to you, too. (laughs) Thank you, Austin. Happy Independence Day to everybody who's listening today. You you know, we have to understand something about what's happened in the United States. And, And we need to understand that it didn't happen overnight. I mean, it started, like Austin said, way back in 1776, actually started before then, when the British were coming in and basically being so abusive to the American colonials. And, and what's interesting about this is that all the different colonial states, as far as the different, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, wherever they were, uh, they all had their you know, independent laws, but they were all underneath the monarchy. People don't understand the monarchy was basically uh, doing whatever it wanted to do, whenever it wanted to do it, and that they didn't have any freedom. They were not sovereign citizens. They were basically just a group of people that were underneath a king that was thousands and thousands of miles away over in Europe. And the church stood strong. The church, the American church, basically got in the pulpit and they talked repeatedly about what was happening out of England and the abuses that Austin talked about. And we need to realize, here's a quote, the devil is not fighting religion. He's too smart for that. He's producing a counterfeit Christianity, so much like the real one that good Christians are afraid to speak out against it. And we are plainly told in the scripture that in the last days, men will not endure sound doctrine and will depart from the faith and heap to themselves teachers to tickle their ears. We live in an epidemic of this itch and popular preachers have developed ear tickling into a fine art. And back in 1776, it wasn't like that. We basically had pastors in the pulpit that were also patriots and they were willing to pick up arms and bear arms against England. And, but they were telling the people the truth every single day. That's why they came in and they said, you know, back in 19 in the 50s that they were going to do the Johnson Amendment because that was going to prevent them from having the churches and the pulpit continue to tell the truth. Uh, yesterday, we were at the Biltmore State. You know, we have annual passes because we're up here in North Carolina still. And I was speaking to a man from Venezuela, brilliant man. Uh, I really like the people from Venezuela. They're really, really, really sharp. They're an edge above. And, you know, he was talking about how they have the largest oil reserves in the world, some of the largest gold reserves in the world, but yet they can't produce oil. They have a hard time mining the gold because they're under communism. Because what happened is with Operation Condor, they came in, the, how should I say, the money people, the money lenders, the CIA, and they destroyed the government. They put in a socialist government into that country. He said about 20 years ago when Chavez was there, and he was a younger guy. He was probably about 20 years old. He actually signed a petition to have another recall vote to get Chavez out of office. And he had, he said there were tens of thousands of people signed this petition. And what Chavez did is he basically took every single person's name on that petition, and he said they could no longer work in any government sectors, and they were banned from working in the gas industry, mining industry, anything that was involved with the government. They were basically blackballed and told, no way, you're not going to do anything in our country anymore. Well, a lot of them started leaving at that point and coming to the United States. And then I started joking with him. I said, well, Chavez got his own when he told the central banks that he wanted his gold back. He said, that's right. And I said, also, he comes out with this very rare, fast form of acting cancer, kind of like Dr. Zelenko did. And when you start saying things too much, too fast, and too often, and too boldly, and too loudly, suddenly you get basically some kind of disease. I see it all the time. You guys have, too. You know, again, my deepest condolences to the family of Dr. Zelenko. But what we have happening here is that this individual then came to the United States, and he said that what happened in the country, they had a giant brain drain. 
and people started leaving to go to the United States. This is exactly what happened with Atlas Shrugged, if you read the books by Ayn Rand. She's, these people that were the leaders of industry, they were being so overregulated, they finally decided that they were not going to allow themselves to be basically treated like this, and they just started leaving and shutting down and just leaving the industry. And this, it's a great series. It's great. There's a great TV, you know, program movie that was done with all three parts of the Ayn Rand book, and, and they're pretty good. I mean, they're not as good as the books, but they're worth they're worth to watch. And this is what they've done in the United States now. More and more people get into a situation where they no longer want to be told what to do all of the time by a federal government with overreaching power. And this is a big problem when 1776 recurred, and this is why it took so long for the Articles of Confederation to come out, because the states did not want to have another England. They did not want to have another monarch ruling over them. They did not want the presidency of the United States to devolve into a monarchy in which they would now be under a king again. They had enough of all of that stuff. And what we need to realize, when these 13 states, the original states of America, declared independence from the United Kingdom in 1776 – the founders were attempting to break free from the tyranny of Britain's top-down centralized government. But the first constitution the, governors, the, the founders created was actually was a pretty good one. It was called the Articles of Confederation. It vetted almost all power in individual state legislatures and practically nothing to the national government, which was a better constitution than we ended up with. The result, political chaos and crippling debt almost sunk the fledging states before you know, the nation before it left the harbor. So the founders met again in Philadelphia in 1787 because they didn't want the Articles of Confederation, and they drafted a new constitution that was grounded in a separate, novel separation of state and national powers known as federalism. While the world itself, and the word itself doesn't appear anywhere in the constitution, the word itself, federalism became the guiding principle to safeguard Americans against King George III-style tyranny while providing a check against the rogue states. The Articles of Confederation were written and ratified while the Revolutionary War was still raging. The document is less of a unifying constitution than a loose pact between 13 sovereign states intending to enter into a firm league of friendship. Absent from the Articles of Confederation were the executive or judicial branches, and the National Congress had only the power to declare war. That's it, which is still what they should be doing right now, or to sign treaties, but no authority to directly level the levy income tax like we had in 1913 was put on top of us. As a result, the newly independent United States was buried in debt because of the war, because the Rothschilds implemented this war against them, and they became unable to pay the long overdue wages of the revolutionary soldiers. Hence, then the Rothschild front front guy came in and said, we're going to loan you this money, Alexander Hamilton, and we're going to set up a central bank, and we're going to basically, basically indebt you to the Rothschild banking cartel. And they didn't want to do that either. So then the U.S. economy sunk into a deep depression, and the struggling citizens lost their farms and homes in Massachusetts, and angry farmers joined Shays' Rebellion to seize the courthouse to block foreclosures, and basically this Congress was powerless to put it down. George Washington, temporarily retired from governor's government service, lamented to John Jay, what a triumph for the advocates of despotism to find that we are incapable of governing ourselves and the systems founded on the basis of equal liberty are merely ide- an ideal and fallacious. What he's saying here is that the United States, because it was broken up into individual colonies, was unable to fight the power of England monetarily. Because at this point, remember, there wasn't a unifying currency throughout the colonies, but they were using colonial script. Alexander Hamilton, then the Rothschild agent, called for a new constitutional convention in Philadelphia in 1787, where the Articles of Confederation were ultimately thrown away in favor of an entirely new form of government. Of course, Alex Hamilton was a Rothschild agent. When the United States cut ties with Britain, 
the founders wanted nothing to do with the British form of government known as the unitary. Under a unitary regime, all power originates from the centralized national government parliament and is delegated to the local governments. That's still the way the government operates in the United Kingdom. And so they chose to basically have a constitution to basically have a separation of powers. The Constitution and the Bill of Rights created two different kinds of separation of powers, both designed to act as critical checks and balances. The first and best known are the separation of powers is given to the three branches of government, the executive, the legislature, and the judiciary. If the president acts against the best interests of the country, he or she can be impeached by Congress, which happened basically to Donald Trump, but they didn't get it through. If it's a very, it's never been happened before. They've gotten close a couple of times with Andrew Johnson and with Trump. If Congress passes an unjust law, the president can veto it. And if any law or public institution infringes on the constitutional rights of the people, the Supreme Court can remedy it. That's a problem. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Okay. But the second type of separation of powers is equally important. The granting of separate powers to the federal and state governments. Under the Constitution, the state legislatures retain much of their sovereignty to pass laws as they see fit. But the federal government also has the power to intervene when it suits the national interest. This is why we could have our governor in the state of Florida tell us that we did not have to wear masks, that we did not have to close our businesses because he had the ability, because he had separate powers of the state. He didn't have to listen to the federal government when it came to these issues. That's why so many people want DeSantis to run for president because he gave the state's rights back to Florida, which I love. But then the state of Florida had enough of Reedy Creek with Disney and all the junk that they were involved in. They basically took away their rights to have basically an unelectable current government in Reedy Creek that Disney operated as its own entity. Said, no, we're not going to let you do that anymore. You're not going to get involved in the political you know, things and what they're doing in Florida. He said, we're not going to allow that to happen. But this second type of separation of powers is equally important, the granting of separate powers to the federal and state governments. Under Constitution, the state legislature can retain much of their sovereignty. Federalism, or the separation of powers between the state and the federal government, was entirely new when the founders baked it into the Constitution. And while it functions as an important check, it has also been a continual source of contention between the two levels of government. In the final run-up to the Civil War, the southern states succeeded from the Union, which was their right to do so under the Constitution, because the federal government was unconstitutionally encroaching on their domestic institutions. And basically how federalism works in the Constitution, according to James Madison, a committed federalist, the Constitution maintains the sovereignty of states by enumerating very few express powers to the federal government. So the states are basically independent countries through the Constitution working together as one through the United States of America. But these states are to remain in state governments, but those which are to remain in state government are numerous and indefinite. In, in, as far as you, what the states want to do, Article 1, Section 8 contains a list of all of the enumerated powers that are exclusively delegated to the federal government. Those include the power to declare war, maintain and armed forces, regulate commerce, coin money, doesn't say about a Federal Reserve Bank, guys, and establish a post office. But that very same Section 8 also includes the so-called elastic clause, supposedly elastic, that authorizes Congress to write and pass any laws that are necessary and proper to carry out its enumerated powers. These powers are known collectively as implied powers that have been used by Congress to create a national bank. They didn't have the authority to do this. They assumed that authority to collect a federal income tax. They did not have the authority to do that. They assumed that authority to institute a draft or to pass gun control laws and to set a federal minimum wage, among others. They don't have any outline in the federal government in the Constitution. Other than that, the Constitution grants almost all other power and authority to the individual states, as Madison said. 
While the Constitution doesn't explicitly list the powers retained by the states, the founders included a catch-all in the Tenth Amendment ratified in 1791. The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by the states are reserved for the states respectfully or to the people. I'm going to repeat that. The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved exclusively to the states, respectively, or to the people. In other words, they don't have a right to come in and tell us what we can and can't do in the state of Florida if it's not especially given to them by the Constitution. But Congress has learned to usurp that. These so-called reserve powers, including all authority and functions, include governments, policing, education, regulation of trade within a state, and the running of elections and many more. The, con- the federal government does not have a right to come in and do that. If the in the United States, federalism has proven successful experiment, except for the intrusion of the federal government into the state's rights. And this is exactly what happened with the, with the Civil War and why the state said, no, we don't want part of this anymore. We don't want to be involved in this stuff anymore. And we basically want to be done with all of this stuff. And guys, once we understand who these people are and what they do as far as this international banking cartel, which runs everything, then we start to realize very, very quickly that something's happened to the Constitution. And here's what it is. Well, here's the biggest thing. If you reread the Federalist Papers, this is from the 1700s, and you start looking at what they said, if Alexander Hamilton was right, James Madison was right, the Constitution would have worked correctly. But in the Federalist Paper number 53, Madison noted a flaw in the British system that the British Constitution – the almost sacred fundamental law could be changed by a simple legislative act by parliament. This is what's happened in the United States. The parliament, therefore, has had the power to abolish the liberties of the people at any moment, including implementing red flag gun laws nationally. Herein lay, according to Madison, the superiority of our proposed constitution. It was to be a constitution established by the people and unalterable by the government. Today, the federal government constantly alters the constitution, making it what Thomas Jefferson feared, a blank paper by constitutional construct. They're saying it's a living document now. They can change it whenever they want. Jefferson warned the federal government must never be allowed to be the sole and final judge of its own powers because it would construe those powers so broadly as to destroy all limits on them, which is exactly what we've seen now with Mr. Fauci and what's happened with this executive order that Donald Trump signed as far as the emergency medical stuff they've done. Yet we now take for granted that the United States Supreme Court has the authority to decide what the Constitution means. So no such authority was ever given in the Constitution to the federal government or to the federal courts or to the Supreme Court. Most Americans know little about the Constitution, and much of what they know is not correct. They know there are three branches of government, that each state has two senators, and that the Bill of Rights says something about freedom of speech, and they are content to let the Supreme Court fill in the blanks and conservatives to do little to correct this impression. Altering the Constitution has become the daily business of the federal government. It's constant. The document is supposed to guide and limit, but Congress and the judiciary assume and exercise countless powers they are not entitled to. That's the problem. And then they put in all these rules and statutes and laws that you have no idea what they are. Perfect example, what is the IRS now? The papers for the IRS is 15,000 pages long as far as paying taxes. And don't get me wrong, I know we need to pay taxes in order to maintain the infrastructure, the Internet highway systems and all that kind of stuff. But they can do anything they want in these rules, and basically you have no idea they've even done those rules. That's why you have to hire CPAs, and when you call IRS, they don't even know if the rules apply because they have no idea either because it constantly gets changed. And that's just one example of what they've done. The most spectacular and controversial example was the usurpation of the court in 1973 ruling that the state abortion laws are unconstitutional. This plainly amounted to a veto of the will of the people in all 50 states. 
And that's what we're seeing right now with this court correcting this. The purpose of judicial review, as Hamilton explains in Federalist Paper Number 78, is to prevent the legislative branch, meaning Congress, from violating the abiding will of the people as expressed in the Constitution. Otherwise, every legislative act would supersede the Constitution as established by the people, just as in Britain. That's what he was concerned about. But the 1973 abortion decision was just the opposite of what Hamilton had in mind. It was a case of the judiciary imposing its own will upon the people, such an arbitrary interpretation of the Constitution, which of course says nothing about abortion, had never occurred to anyone in his right mind. The right to abortion was sheer fabrication. Ah, here it goes. But we were told the Constitution, again, like I mentioned earlier, is a living document, which means something different in every age. By implication, the government itself doesn't alter the Constitution. Nobody alters it. They say the Constitution alters itself. Unbelievable. That's what they say. And remember George Bush? He even used he even cursed the Constitution. Said just a piece of paper doesn't mean anything. This is George W. the dumb one. By this pitiful by this pitiful analogies in deciding what they're going to do, the court denies responsibility for its own impulsive alterations of the Constitution. It can't admit that it struck down abortion laws just because it didn't like them. Opponents for the Constitution, especially the pseudonyms and still unidentified. Brutus of New York, who wrote repeatedly about the Constitution and what he didn't like about it, warned that this was exactly what the federal courts would do since the Constitution had placed them above control. I'm going to repeat that. He warned this is what the federal courts would do because these people are appointed for life. They can only be basically impeached if they really do something absolutely horrible, which hardly ever, ever happens, and it has placed them above control. The Supreme Court is elected for life. Brutus predicted that the judges will be interested to extend the powers of the courts and to construe the Constitution as much as possible in such a way as to favor it. Arbitrary judicial rulings would gradually diminish to destroy their, both the legislation and the judicial authority of the states. And then you've got to throw in all of these executive orders that the president throws in. Remember all the executive orders that Trump put in and all the ones that Biden, Biden put in afterwards and all the executive orders that Obama put in and back and back and back to the, now the thousands of executive orders that have been put through and can be overturned by the legislature if they're proven to be incorrect. All of this stuff is being used to rewrite the Constitution as we see it, and they circumvent the people by doing this, and this is not what the forefathers of the country did. Hamilton said this would never happen, <laughs> okay, all right, to destroy the legislation of a judicial branch authority of the states. He said it would never happen because he's Rothschild cutout, because the judiciary was too weak to impose its will, and it was the least dangerous of three branches, not to worry. He was a complete moron. He knew exactly what would happen, but he was, again, working for the Rothschild banking cartel. Brutus, who had written all of these articles back in the 1700s, replied that to answer objections made to power given to a government by saying it will never be exercised is really admitting the power not ought to be ever exercised, therefore not to be granted. This is the Patriot Act. The Patriot Act had no rights being passed and pushed on all of us. The federal government had absolutely no right whatsoever to do that according to the Constitution, but they did it. You know, Homeland Security, all of that stuff. None of that has any constitutional bearing. TSA, no constitutional bearing. None of it. It was all just taken by the people for the people by the government, and, and basically the people were just thrown in the back burner and said, you're not going to get anything that you want. They took it away from us. They took away the rights of self-rule. People don't realize in 1776, all the way up until the Civil War, we were still a group of individual, almost say countries, that came together in the time of war. And this is what happened with Abraham Lincoln. People had had enough of states' rights being usurped with all of the taxes and levies the federal government was putting on the states. 
taxing all the cotton, doing all the different things, and all the other issues that were involved in the Civil War. And the states finally said, we've had it. You guys are doing exactly what Brutus said you're going to do, and now we're in the middle of this mess. We don't want to be part of this anymore. We want to restore the sovereignty to the states. We don't want to be part of you anymore because you don't have the right to impose tyranny over us. This is what we did to get rid of King George. I mean, it was less than 100 years earlier that they got rid of King George. Now, this mess was happening with Abraham Lincoln, who was, who was a Kabbalist, Luciferian. His wife was a witch, had seances in the White House. They said, we had enough of this. But it started also before Lincoln. This has been festering for a bit. And then, then remember the War of 1812? They got back into the United States, got, got, another, got another war with Great Britain, and the way they stopped the war, they put a Rothschild Control Central Bank into the United States in 1812. That's how they stopped it. And then 20 years later, they basically got rid of the charter and got rid of the, the, the whole thing with the central banks, and they had to take control of the United States over again. And they did that by putting in, you know, the, you know, the Federal Reserve Bank, you know, 60, 70 years later, 50 years later after the Civil War. This is the group that has always run everything behind the scenes. And if we understand that, it starts to make more sense. You know, remember, the court's power wasn't really granted by the Constitution. It was taken by usurpation. But today the court is indeed above control. So Brutus, whoever he was, was an honorable man. He tried to warn us that this was going to happen. And now the court basically took away the rights of the individual states, which they don't have the right to do that, except what I listed, and now they give it back to the states with the abortion. That's why Clarence Thomas said that we are going to correct the problem with men wearing bath in the bathrooms, you know, with women. That's going to be correct. I mean, how in the world does the federal government think they have the right to tell us in our individual states that a man can use the bathroom with a little girl? What kind of sick weirdos are these people? Well, it's because they've been usurped because of the lobbying groups being controlled by State Street, Vanguard, BlackRock, and the international banking cartels, just bloodline families that we talk about all the time. These are the groups that are running the world. And the Kabbalists believe that their abortion is a sacred sacrament. I've talked about that before in length. They really believe they have the right to abort a fetus up to the time of birth. They don't believe the child is even alive until it takes its first breath. That's their belief. That's what they believe. It's a sacred sacrament to them to be able to kill that child and do a full-term abortion on that child. It has not taken its first breath. That's how they feel, and that's what they believe. You think, well, how in the world did that happen? That's why it was pushed through in basically New York City where there's so many Kabbalists back in 73. They're the ones who pushed the whole Roe v. Wade to start with. They're the ones who did it because they want to have their sacred sacrament to allow abortion to happen up to the time of birth until the first breath. And so they forced it upon all of us. And so what they did, they took away the rights of the child that was nine months in the womb, that was fully alive, fully alert, and said, he's not alive, he's just part of the mother until he takes his first breath, and so we can abort that child. It's no more than having a finger cut off or having a toenail excised. That's all this baby is. It's nothing. He has no living entity. He does not have a soul. They believe this, okay? And so they're the ones who started it up in New York because their cabal is controlled. And they pushed it and pushed it and pushed it and pushed it until they got it pushed through the Supreme Court with Roe v. Wade. And then the federal government took control. At that point in time, we had marching in the streets. We did. We had a lot of protests about this. Didn't make any difference because the court was above the people, which is exactly what Brutus warned us was going to happen in the 1700s. They're going to continue to pass laws and more laws and more laws. That's why I warned you guys, if you ever go before a federal court judge, you're in a situation where – you basically are sitting there with the man who thinks he's the hand of God on this planet. Unless you get an appeal, you can't get out of whatever he tells you is going to happen to you. We had that happen with a man by the name of Danny Strader here in Central Florida. Now, Danny had done some bad stuff. He had run a Ponzi scheme and stolen some money, a bunch of money, several million dollars from a bunch of different investors. And he was you know, a member of a big church there in Central Florida, which is now defunct. It's not even there anymore. It's been torn down. 
and he basically went to prison for 37 years for a white-collar crime because he got arrogant in front of a federal court judge. He had hired F. Lee Bailey, who had guaranteed him and told him that he would have the opportunity to have an appeal. He never got an appeal. So he has almost served now 37 years, happened back in the 80s, to be getting out here in the next few years, of white-collar crime. I mean, people who kill people don't get 37 years. People that traffic heroin don't get 37 years. Heck, Ghislaine Maxwell, who took a 1,000 girls and sold them to sex slavery or sold them or, or you know, or used them as whores to a bunch of politicians, she didn't get 37 years. She got 20 years. This guy got 37 years for white-collar crime because he sat in front of a federal court judge. And, guys, that's why it's so important. You don't want to go to court, especially with a federal court judge. You don't want to do that. You know, and that's, you know, sometimes you got to, because sometimes you got to prove a point that you were right about something. I've got a friend of mine who's a, he's a doctor, and he's in the, in the middle of a federal court lawsuit right now, because he countersued them, because he said that vitamin D3 would help take care of COVID, which is true. That's what he said. Didn't say cure or anything else. And now they basically slammed him and branded him, and now he's got a giant court, and, they're, and, the, and the federal government's trying to settle it. They don't want to be involved in it anymore, because they realize that their expert witness is not an expert. And so it's a big mess. This is why if you could find out, remember the Bible says that. It says it's better to go to two or three friends or whatever, to the pastor of the church and talk, that the last choice should be to go to court and sue people. It's just not the best way to do it. I mean, how many times have you seen people go to court and they say, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to sue you for this and sue you for that, and it turns around on it, it comes back to bite them in the butt. It's better as a Christian not to go before the unbeliever. In the court system. There really is, guys. I'm going to give you some advice here. If you could settle it without having to get involved with all of that stuff. You know, I've been in depositions before, and they're never any fun. And you got to realize that, you know, the best thing to do is just to walk circumspectly with your friends and with other people and try to people, treat people with respect. Now, sometimes a legal action is necessary. I hate to say that, but it's true. But the reality is, is do, the, do your best to try to stop this because look what's happened to the courts now. Look what the courts have done. Look at all these cases that they've taken, and I really hope and pray they get rid of this bathroom rights. I really hope and pray they get rid of all these crazy things that they've done through the federal court system that can be reversed. I really do, and this is why when you appoint these federal court judges – let me tell you something, guys. These guys are appointed because they're going to be compliant. Almost every single one of them, and I'm not going to mention any names, but not all of them, I hope, have been or done something that basically has come back to bite them in the butt while they're on the bench. Clarence Thomas, remember that mess with Anita Hill? I don't believe he had anything to do with any of this. I believe the whole thing was a setup because they did not want him on the bench. When they can't find something that they can do to somebody as far as blackmail, they don't want them on the bench. Remember what Brandish did getting us in the World War One? Remember what happened with Woodrow Wilson? He put Brandish on the Supreme Court, a hardcore Kabbalist Zionist, got us in the World War One, helped push the, you know, the Balfour Declaration, et cetera, et cetera, League of Nations and all the rest of it. All of this stuff is being controlled through the judiciary. And again, when you have a group of people that come in and blackmail like they did with Jeffrey Epstein and Mossad, and they have all of these people on videotape, at that point in time, they have complete and total control of the government structure. That's why it's so important that when you hire somebody or you put somebody into a position of authority into a legislative system that you maintain checks and balances. That's why term limits are so important. And that's why I think what the forefathers of the Constitution knew. You couldn't have a person who was a career politician. It was never supposed to be that way. It was people like me and Austin and you guys who listened to the show. You were supposed to run for Congress. You were supposed to run for the Senate. You were supposed to run for the town things and the city things and the county things and rotate yourself in and out so you don't end up getting yourself in a position where you feel as though you can do whatever you want to do. We see that now in our town city, in our city council where we live. They can do whatever they want to do. 
I mean, Austin asked them the last time, why are you not listening to the people? Why are you putting these mini warehouses in our, in our, in our, in our neighborhood? Why are you doing this? Nobody wants these things here. Why are you doing this? They couldn't even answer. Why? Because they're beholden to somebody else, probably somebody who's giving them campaign contributions. I don't know. I get all I'm, all I'm doing is expressing my opinion there. But think through what's happening. Think through what the government did. Think through about the state's rights and think through about the fact that we've got a bozo right now in the White House who can't even sit on a bicycle, who's completely and totally inept. But yet we're supposed to listen to what he tells us to do because they've usurped the state's rights. Very important that we all understand it because our Constitution, again, and also I've said this a 100 times on the show, is only for a just people that are Christian. And they had to take that section of the Constitution out. They had to make it a satanic, heathen, Kabbalist, Luciferian-controlled group of people through their money and through their bribery and through their basically blackmail. And that's why it's being so manipulated because it allows them the power to do whatever they want. These people up in Congress can pass all kinds of laws. City officials can do that too. Now, they put a stop sign in our doggone town that we didn't even need close to our house. I told you that story before. No one voted for it. No one asked for it. Then when you try to put speed bumps in to try to slow people down, they won't do that. They won't let anybody do anything they, that needs to be done if they, if they deem it so. And it's sad that they've been given that kind of authority and that kind of power. It really, really is. So that's why we've got to stand the ground. We've got to pray every day. I have not had the opportunity to pray for you guys yet this morning. I will in a few minutes. But we need to realize that, you know, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It's like Austin said in this first segment. When you, you've got to bring the Constitution back to what it was, what it's supposed to be. A, basically a loose thing that was to hold the states together, not to give the federal government complete and total control through this legislature and through the judicial process. And now you find out that they're cheating with election fraud. You know, with mules that they're using and you know, people dropping off ballots to basically mail in ballots and total fraudulent elections we're having. They've not, they've, they've, they've usurped everything. They've usurped the executive. They've usurped the legislative. They've, they've usurped the judicial. They are completely in control out of a runaway locomotive as far as the people are concerned and they can do whatever they want to do. And to this point, they feel as though there's no stopping them. That's why we have to stand firm and be vocal. It's time to stop being a sheeple. It's time to stop being quiet. It's time to start talking about what's going on and telling people that it's enough. Because, guys, this locomotive is running off the edge of a cliff, and it, we're going to have to lock the brakes down on it, or it's not going to stop. And the United States, as we once knew it, will be gone forever. We've got to understand that. Wow. Austin, what do you think, buddy? What's your next story? Oh, you're 100% right. You, know, you made a valid statement earlier. You said if, if the government says – they don't want to use a law or a bill or they'll never use a specific law or bill against you and it's only to prevent this certain thing and but they're never really going to use it against you and it'll never be used as far as in a negative way then there's no reason for that law or bill to ever be put into place and you're exactly right with the patriot act when they keep coming up and when I say they, I mean a lot of the individuals in politics and the deep state. And they keep coming up with these statements like, we need to have this such and such bill. We need common sense gun laws. And they make comments. And they have keywords like that. Guys, there's already an insane amount of gun laws on the books. There's already an insane amount of restrictive measures on the books. What they always do, and they have been very good at this because they lie repeatedly. You have, once you understand that they are professional liars, 
They will look you in the face, dead in the eyes, and straight lie to you and say, I didn't just hit you in the face while they slap you in the face again. And then say, I really didn't hit you in the face. You're crazy. You're making this up. This is all in your head. And slap you in the face again. Once you realize they are this depraved and they are this sick in the head, a lot of these individuals are, you fully grasp the concept of why civil disobedience and noncompliance is mandatory. Flat out. You realize it. When you start hearing them come in and say, we need to have common sense red flag gun laws, a.k.a. that means we want to have a right to steal your weapons from your house because we deem you to be dangerous because you talk too much. That's all it means. This is why I've continually told people we have to make sure we get involved. I've had numerous people now ask me to get involved with politics here, and I've reluctantly been pushing back from it because I don't want to have any more else on my plate as far as with stuff that's going on right now. So I'm already so busy, but I'm starting to lean towards the fact that it may be required of me, and I no longer have that option or luxury. Like I said earlier, I pretty much am going to have to get directly involved in this stuff. If I want to make any semblance of a difference, and I've already tried to be very active and very vocal. But again, we're seeing now that it's not enough. It's not enough just to be vocal. We actually have to get involved actively. This is why I had so many people, they were shocked when Dad and I went to the school board and basically just absolutely raised heck on them over there. And I had dozens and dozens of research studies and articles completely contradicting contradicting the mask that they were trying to force on these young children. And that's why I brought it up. I said, this, th these kids don't have a voice. You're not going to hear a five or six-year-old get up here and argue with you. They're not going to do it. We're speaking for the children because you're refusing to listen to them. You're refusing to allow them to have rights. You're refusing to allow them to breathe fresh air. Once people – and this is one thing it did do, I have to say – once we saw what happened with the tyranny of the COVID lie, it got a lot of a people's attention. It got a lot of attention and it snapped a lot of people tight and they realized, wow, the government really isn't here to help me or protect me. They are there to simply try to push their boot of tyranny on me. Once you realize that, once people realize a government that's big enough to give you everything you allegedly want is also big enough to take everything away that you have. That's the concept that eludes so many people with this socialist ideology now where they just want to keep getting free stuff from the government. Any government that can just keep giving you free money and free housing and free this and free that is the same government that's going to take it all away from you at some point in time. This is why I personally think they're going to do everything they can here in the next couple months and trying to grant the illegals that are here complete and total amnesty. They're going to say, okay, you're basically now U.S. citizens. Vote for us. I personally think they're going to try to do that because they have to figure out a way to skew the election in the fall again. That is why I've repeatedly told you, you've got to get involved with your precincts. You've got to get active with this. We have to do the best we can to maintain a republic and a true and fair election. I've always told people this before. If an election goes in a direction in favor for somebody I don't agree with, I accept the results when I know it's a legit election. That's part of being in a republic. But what I blatantly know and see the evidence and see the documents that it was completely and totally fraudulent and stolen, it's also my right to state 
that I believe it's stolen. That is the whole aspect of the First Amendment that eludes so many people is you have a right to disagree. You have a right to exercise your free speech. You have a right to peacefully assemble. You have a right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. This concept now that you simply can't say anything, you can't speak about anything that they don't deem so, is right out of the communist handbook. It's literally diametrically opposed to a republic. That's why I've repeatedly told people, speak up. If you don't agree with something, speak up. Somebody else's feelings or ideas or perversions don't suddenly trump your rights. This is what's so skewed right now, and I really, really hope, I hope and pray that we have some aspect of the Supreme Court rule on this insane, tranny, queer ideology that's being rampant everywhere. Dad told you guys a story the other day, the guy he talked to that owns a bunch of McDonald's. And he's at the store, and there's a guy in the bathroom watching the girls, straight up stalking the girls in the bathroom. And he goes in there basically tells the guy he needs to leave. And the guy goes, you can't tell me to leave. I'm in the bathroom. I identify as a woman. I do whatever I want in here. You can't tell me to leave. And he called the attorney. He called The guy called his attorney up. And the attorney goes the, – the owner calls the attorney. The attorney goes, well, you pretty much shouldn't let this be. So he could sue you now for discrimination if you basically kick him out of the bathroom. And he'll probably win if he gets one of these really hardcore leftist judges. Guys, the right of that guy, whether or not he's got gender dysphoria or he's just a straight-up pervert, either which – they don't trump the right of that mother and daughter in there that have a right not to be gawked at and watched while they use the restroom. I mean, this is sick. The fact that I have to have a conversation and tell somebody this is wrong boggles my mind. This is what they continue to do under tyranny. They tell you you have to shut up and accept it, and they tell them it's okay to do whatever you want because it's your right. But you can't disagree with them because you don't have a right to disagree. It's diametrically opposed to the Constitution and values. This is why we had the Bill of Rights added, because they had to address and clarify the fact that there are inalienable rights that everybody has. If somebody basically decides, I want to be a pervert, they have a right to go be a cross-dressing pervert in their home. But they do not have a right to tell you, I have to accept it, I have to agree with it, and I have to address them in a manner that they see fit. I'll call them whatever I want to call them. They can call me whatever they want to call me. It's not going to hurt my feelings one bit. This concept has to be reminded of the American population because remember, this is not a argument or a debate about gender theory. There is no theory to this anymore. It's scientific facts. you got XY chromosomes. It's been along for a long time. This is about pushing on the populace, and it doesn't just go with gender. It goes with everything. If you can convince the population, or at least you can prevent them from talking about it anymore, and you make them believe or at least shut up to the extent that natural laws don't exist, can't talk about them, can't disagree, natural laws don't exist, you are 57, 87 genders, whatever you want to be, and the fact that then you can go, well, biblical laws don't exist, morals and ethics don't exist. It's literally a free-for-all. Act like an animal. Do as thou will, as Aleister Crowley used to say. Sicko he was. This is why I encourage people. Continue to remind your children 
that they're little Americans. Keep raising them as little Americans. Remind them that they have a right to say no or yes. They have a right to stand up and speak their mind. Continue to do that, my friends. This is the last generation we have. This is it. You can see why the communists in the school systems are pushing so hard to try to confuse and completely and totally obliterate this younger generation. So I continue to encourage you, my friends, have a blessed, safe, awesome Independence Day. Have a strong one. Hope you guys enjoy yourself tonight. Hope you just have a blast with all your friends and family. Remember what this day is. Continue to talk about this today. Continue to bring this topic up. That's Not right. just about cheeseburgers and hamburgers and that's enjoying right. that. I mean, that. That's great. That's fun. That's awesome. Continue to do that as well. But also, too, continue to talk about what's really going on in this country and remind everybody what's really happening. If you guys need anything, we're here at Health Masters. The Freedom 10 coupon is active right now. 10% off the website, store-wide, on products that aren't already on sale. That means 10% off even on the food buckets. So be sure to check it out on the website, Freedom 10, F-R-E-E-D-O-M, the number 10 altogether. Use it on the website at healthmasters.com. I encourage you and I thank you for supporting Health Masters and staying strong and keeping your immune system strong and continuing to get out there and speak the truth. So I appreciate the support, my friends. Have a blessed Independence Day. Freedom 10 if you guys need anything at healthmasters.com. Have a blessed, safe, awesome day today. We'll talk to you again on this show tomorrow as always. And, you know, also one more thing I want to add to with John Jay, who's the first Chief Justice of the Supreme of the United States. Yep. He said, Republics are created by the virtue, public spirit, and intelligence of the citizens. They fall when the wise are banished from public councils because they dare to be honest. And the people who waste resources are rewarded because they flatter the people in order to betray them. John Jay, first Chief <laughs> Justice of the United States. Stay strong, guys. Keep a strong spine. Remember, Jesus Christ is the answer for everything. I love you guys. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Broadcasting to the U.S. and around the world by way of clear digital audio, 22,500 miles above the planet. This is the Global Star Radio Network.